0: Well, good evening and welcome back to the We Shall Not Sleep podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in this evening. I am so grateful for your listenership. It has been phenomenal here as of late as we have returned to our long form podcasting days and we will continue to try to get as many as we can Uh, lining up some really special guests that I cannot wait for you to meet. However, it's going to take a little bit of time, though. So if you continue to bear with us, I appreciate it. You you guys are used to me and having to be patient anyway. But tonight it is Ash Wednesday. It is the beginning of Lent. It is the beginning of something special, something that is always spoken to me more in a somber way it is something that when I think about what this time this Lenten season that we find ourselves in what it means to us it is something that over the years I don't know for some reason maybe it's just the church culture that I found myself in always was a more sorrowful time maybe maybe it was because it was introspective maybe it was because I was being convicted by the Holy Spirit to change some of my ways but but this year as I have gained a little knowledge in the pastorate experientially wise like experiential wise not that I'm more wise or anything I just want it to be a time of joy something that we can Go through together. So tonight, if you want to open your Bibles with me, I would love for you to do that. We will be reading from both Luke chapter 14 and Romans chapter 14. Part of the liturgical readings for tonight that I've done so in the past from Genesis 3, 17 through 19 is where God would come down and and he said to Adam that, listen, your curse now is to toil in this land. From dust you have come, to dust you shall return. Then there's a reading from Joel chapter 2, and it talks about how we need to return to the Lord, declare a fast, pray continuously, because the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in love. Return to him in full For restoration, bring all praise to him and repent of your sins. And then the third reading, the gospel reading from Matthew chapter 6, doesn't say if you fast, it always says when. And when we fast, to actually dress up, to put on the best clothes, make ourselves look very presentable so that no one can tell that we're disheveled or that we're suffering. Earlier tonight we celebrated Holy Communion together, because we will bookend this Lenten season on Good Friday in preparation for Holy Sunday and Resurrection Sunday. We take the Lord's Communion together on Friday. Well, tonight we celebrate it with the Lord's Communion, and that's because It's important to commemorate what this whole season is about. Not to neglect the partaking of the Lord's Supper as we are taught. And so by doing so, we do it together. And the best way to in remembrance is doing it with our fellow brothers and sisters. But before I get to Luke chapter 14, I just want to say that Fasting this year, the the I called I call our church to this. That last year I had asked people, whatever you want in life, how bad do you want it? Because our Lord, he wanted reconciliation with us so badly he went to the cross for it. Well this year it's a sim it's a similar style of question is that what is your innermost desire? What is the thing that keeps you up at night? The thing that maybe brings you to tears, the thing that I don't know, you think about, you have nightmares about, you dream of. Well, what if that were to actually come true? How would your life change? You know, for me, I I have a desire to, to find a wife and have kids. That's my biggest thing that I think about here as of late. And I'm trusting the Lord with that and allowing Him to guide that and... But that's that's something that I've had to deal with. What would happen if that came true? Does that mean I don't have any more wants or desires? Or do they just simply change? Do they focus to something else? And then is it just about being a good husband and being a a worthy father? It's just something born out of another thing. Or was it having a lot of money for certain people or having security in their finances or uh, their possessions or... Maybe it's a thing they want to work towards, a goal, right? What is that innermost desire? And maybe it's not even something that benefits you. Maybe your innermost desire is to see someone else's dream come true. Maybe it's for the benefit of somebody else in your life. And being a pastor, it's the benefit for my spiritual journey and the stuff that I'm looking for. Of course, it has an effect on other people, but the value that I have to to the church, I'm not the only one. There's a lot of people that bring far more value than what I do to the table. Well, when it comes to what we want to surrender, God wants all of us. He wants us to surrender that innermost desire to him and allow him to control it, And if we dedicate this time of Lent to Him through the laying of ashes, the commitment to prayer, the promise of fasting, well, what if God were to grant you exactly the thing that you are craving and wanting and desiring? It would certainly put a lot of pressure on us to be good stewards of that gift, whatever it may be. Well, as we sit in church every Sunday morning, we sit beside our fellow brothers and sisters who have their own burdens, their own pains, and they're praying that a lot of those things that they are experiencing, they can be delivered from. So during Lent, we are reminded of what Christ gave us because, again, his desire of reconciliation with humanity, you could not put a price on it. He went to the cross and went to hell so we do not have to, and he conquered the grave so that this life is only temporary. That's how far he was willing to go to get everyone back into the fold. That's how much of a desire he has for our individual souls. So if our desire is pure, the question I have is what are we willing to sacrifice or fast over to obtain it? What is holding us back from going deeper? And the one thing I I am certain, for for certain, can tell you that if you are allowing God 99% of your life, You're never going to be 100% satisfied. It's just that simple. But the best part of all of this is that we do not have to go through this journey alone. In fact, we read from our Bibles that this is something that we are accountable to each other for. So, with that in mind, I want us to go to Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 25. I'm actually going to read from the NIV, this is coming from the NIV version. Before we start down the journey of Lent and maybe looking at our faith anew, maybe looking at our faith in, a, in a, a new and fresh way for the first time, or those of us who are being challenged by the Spirit, we have to count the cost, saying that th- this is not going to be an easy journey. Sometimes I think us pastors do a disservice by not, by not warning people. It's like, by the way, this is the best decision of your life, but it's going to cost you. Satan is going to be upset about your decision. Well, let's look the words of Jesus here, starting at verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who... Do not give up everything you have, cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. You see, I think this is one of the most impactful and relatable stories from Jesus, hands down. Who among us doesn't plan some sort of, you know, project or any aspects to our day, you know? I See, I think it'd be kind of funny if you were a fly on the wall in the household growing up uh, because my dad is a planner, master packer, and when we were going on vacation, weeks ahead of time, preparation of our trailer, our boat, going over some checklists, you know, looking over notes from the previous years, between that and my mom's meticulous way of having every single thing you could possibly want packed... I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, ladies, you, you know this, like you have like a Mary Poppins purse. You have everything in a purse that you can possibly want. It's, it's unbelievable. We'd be in the middle of the upper peninsula and someone could ask like, oh, if only we had, you know, some zip ties, duct tape, antibiotic ointment, some Flint for starting a small campfire and some SOS pads, this would be a great night. And my mom would go, oh, I got all that stuff in the car. Like what, Wh- what are you talking about? <laughs> Like, why did you know? And it's like, well, I took notes and I've done this before and I know what's needed. We never went without anything. And for for the rest of us, when it comes to our faith, God says and teaches us in Matthew that he's not, he closed the lilies of the field. He provides shelter for the birds of the air. How much more valuable are we than like sparrows, for example? So, he will provide and care for his children. It's not going to be an easy journey, but it's not. No one has come to Jesus and then been without need. No one. We might experience the consequences of our own actions. We might confuse desires, wants, and needs. But he will provide and care for us. And when we put this much thought into our daily routines, vacations, shouldn't we also put that same effort into our faith journey? What will it cost us to invite God into our lives in a much more intimate way than in years prior? Simple question. And here's the other aspect to this, not only counting the cost, but not just for yourself, but for the other people in your life, because we have to remember that our faith is not just for ourselves. This is a team effort, and that's where I'll get to my second passage tonight. Again, reading from the NIV, I want to read from that passage to uh, that translation tonight. Romans 14. This is about the weak and the strong. Uh, Paul mentions this later in his letter to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 8. He's addressing those who are weaker in faith. He's addressing those who are stronger to say, you, you've got to be there for your fellow brothers and sisters who do not have the same conscience that you have. They're they're new. They're just stumbling. They they can't run yet. They're still learning to to walk and stand on their own two feet in regards to their faith. And and Paul uses this language of food. And and in First Corinthians eight it's being sacrificed to idols. And in this case, it's just dietary restrictions and, and what's allowable and because he's essentially saying that food is nothing it's it's not it's food it's not it doesn't have um you know magical powers or qualities it is it's food it's an an inanimate object that's used for consumption so that we can stay alive that's all that paul's saying and some people have issues with certain other foods but what is paul's what's paul's theme here it's about collective building and edifying of the body and it's a self-sacrifice saying, I'm, I might be stronger in the faith, but since this causes my brother or sister to stumble who's weaker in their faith, I am not going to keep this faith to myself. I am going to sacrifice so that they can be built up. Starting at verse 1, he says, "Accept the one, ACC, E-P-T, except the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything. But another, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living." You then, why do you judge your brother or sister, or why do you treat them with contempt? For we all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister i am convinced being fully persuaded in the lord jesus that nothing is unclean in itself but if anyone regards something as unclean then for that person it is unclean if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat you are no longer acting in love do not by your eating destroy someone for whom christ died therefore do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. The idea behind what Paul is essentially saying here is asking the strong in faith to abstain from practices that would cause the weak to stumble it's a self-sacrifice. It's a reminder that this faith journey that we are on is a collective one. And the best news is is that because of that fact, none of us have to go through anything by ourselves. We always say this as an acknowledgment that God is always with us. But what if that was combined, that fact was combined with his people doing what he called them to do? Actual people on the ground. Providing for the needs of the people with compassion and care, there is simply nothing that we cannot do. It is that simple. I want to close with Oswald Chambers, 20th century theologian, one of my favorite writers. He has a devotional entitled, Am I My Brother's Keeper? he says, none of us lives to himself. He's quoting Romans 14, which I just read for us. Has it ever dawned on you that you are responsible spiritually to God for other people? For instance, if I allow any turning away from God in my private life, everyone around me suffers. We sit together in the heavenly places. That's Ephesians chapter 2. He also quotes 1 Corinthians 12. He says, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If you allow physical selfishness, mental carelessness, moral insensitivity, or spiritual weakness, everyone in contact with you will suffer. But you ask, who is sufficient to be able to live up to such a lofty standard? Our sufficiency is from God and God alone. That's from 2 Corinthians. From Acts chapter 1, he says, you shall be witnesses to me. How many of us are willing to spend every bit of our nervous, mental, moral, and spiritual energy for Jesus Christ? That is what God means when he uses the word witness, but it takes time. So be patient with yourself. Why has God left us on the earth? Is it simply to be saved and sanctified? (laughs) It's kind of funny. Just us just waiting around. He says, no, it is to be at work in service to him. Am I willing to be broken bread and poured out wine for him? Am I willing to be of no value to this age or this life, except for one purpose and one alone to be used to disciple men and women to the Lord Jesus Christ. My life of service to God is the way I say thank you to him for his inexpressibly wonderful salvation. Remember, it is quite possible for God to set any of us aside if we refuse to be of service to him. And he closes by quoting 1 Corinthians. He says, Lest, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. this is a team effort and what i am trying to hold myself to the church to anyone else that might be listening later how bad do you want how bad do you want the things in your life what is your innermost desire what are you willing to sacrifice for it i i pray that you do fast from something i i i pray that God reveals to you what he wants and that you have the courage to take a step back and sacrifice for 40 days that one thing. We're never in this alone. We're never in this alone. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, you have set apart this wonderful time. We want to consecrate this time of Lent to you. Thank you for your sacrifice 2,000 years ago. We praise you for your glorious resurrection knowing that we are living in a post-resurrection era that we may truly embrace that we are forgiven. May we live like it. I pray that we are courageous. I pray that we are Found humble in your presence, willing to accept whatever it is you have placed upon us. And may we do so together as we continue to build the shining city on a hill. In your glorious name, we pray. Amen. That was the sermon I gave for Ash Wednesday just a few hours ago. A little bit different for a podcast. This is kind of right in the middle between a, a short drive time work and our long forum so if you thought I delivered good sermons at least we can put that rumor to bed I really appreciate you guys seriously the listenership wherever you find us by the way SoundCloud is our host platform YouTube Spotify Google Apple Podcasts, every anything you find us anywhere our updates are on our Facebook page I hope this time of Lent hits different with you this year because this is a time of celebration we are in a post resurrection era God himself has won. There's no doubt. We are in a series cliffhanger. We're not waiting for season two because we, we don't know how, or what the fate of our favorite characters is in season one. There's, if There might be times, Ecclesiastes is right, there's a time for sorrow, there's a time for laughter, there's a time for joy. It's, it's true. It doesn't always have to be a time of sorrow or somberness if you can relate to me being convicted of things, going through things of life, I totally understand it. But the soul, that's a different story. There'll be things that, that affect us, that, that cut deep, absolutely. But as, as a state of being, is just as who we are, as characters, as, as people, that's what I'm after. So, I encourage you in your fasting, what you give up. I pray for you, and the success that the Lord will most assuredly have in your life if you allow him to. May God bless you. May God keep you.